You're listening to the Walk the Line Podcast. Real stories of real people. We were chatting away and I keep forgetting. And it's like 20 minutes into it and I'm like, shit, I should have pressed the record button. Fuck, I've done it myself. How's your podcast getting on anyway? You've been doing that for a couple of years now, haven't you? Uh, it's not a couple of years now. I started it last July. June. July yeah. time. I was quite um, good, is it? Say that again. I said it's 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 it's, uh, it's tough getting started on it. It's like a lot of people come up to me and say, how can you do your podcast and stuff? What do you do? I just say to them, just get it done. Just do it. Don't just so yes, in a bit. Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. Like for me, it was it was like, right, what do I do? And we were kind of getting into it, I guess, how I, how I came to that afterwards. But um, yeah, it was literally just a case of, of, you know, you can you can go around in circles and go down rabbit holes all day long trying to find out information and, and the right software to use and mics to get and all of this kind of pick up a cheap mic, set of headphones and just do it. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn as you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, that's, that was the way I had it like so. That's what I did. I got mine. I started off in, uh, in lockdown. I did mine during then, and uh, I didn't have any PC, didn't have anything. So I went and got myself one of those, uh, you know, these like a discount secondhand PCs from eBay that they refurbish? Yeah, yeah. It was like an old office one. Got myself one of them, 90 quid for a bundle. Got the keyboard, got the monitor, got this thing. And then just bought myself a, a, a mic from uh, from Amazon for like 40 quid, and I was off. And I just, yeah. ever since, I've been chatting shit to people like yourself ever since. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it. Like, if you're gonna do it, just do it. Just stop procrastinating about it. Just get it done. Yeah. You know. Um, By the one, all of the all the best equipment in the world and all the best cameras lined up all over the place. A mic and a camera. That's all you need. You know. That's it. As you say, pick them up cheap enough on Amazon. So you do. And I always think it's the worst thing about the podcast and stuff. For me, is the inconsistency. I get because uh, obviously you do that. You're nine to five sort of thing, and then you have to come home. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. can, I, can I handle it now? Or what do I come up with? And it's uh, I've I've seen this my last. Uh, I see this in every fucking show. To be honest, I'm trying my best, guys. All right, I'm trying to come in with this week. It's coming to me once every two weeks in a minute, but I'm doing what I can. You know, my fans, my many fans out there, just be careful. I'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, I was the same with that. Like I, I started off strong, and I was releasing every week, and then there was a lull for a few weeks, and then, um, I kind of came in after Christmas time. And I said, right, let's let's go full tilt, um, and, and let's start banging them out. And and what I did was I was recording probably two a week just to have a bit of a stockpile sitting behind. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then the new company took off, and work took off, and the podcast got a bit sidetracked. Not that I love doing it; like it's kind of it's the podcast is what brought me to what I'm doing now. Really, if I'm if I'm being completely honest with you, to to a degree, um, but it was. Yeah, it, it kind of got sidetracked for a little bit because trying to build a company and, and, and do all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I still have a load of episodes still recorded that I haven't even released yet. And I'm booking up guys to, to do more as we go along. So it's, yeah, it, it's tough just to try and keep that consistency, as you say. But um, but it's a, it's a something I love doing either way. So. I said, you know, I think it is, though. I, I kind of tend to do this sort of stuff at work as well. Because um, I was I work in like a, a sales sort of job in recruitment, and I'm constantly chatting away, and everyone keeps saying to me, "You do this as a day job. Why do you do it? Because uh, I have a night time." I'm like, "Well, the thing is, during the day I have to do it, but then at night time I want to do it." 
Yeah, I mean, it's a massive difference. It's a massive sort of mind shift, you know. It's uh, instead of doing it on the phone to someone you kind of have to talk to. I did to you guys, you know, I mean, because I, I like chatting to, like, as I say, guys like yourself who've got great interest and stories. And uh, you get the passion for it. Bring the passion by, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so we, we kind of dabbled on it up previously. I want to get into a little bit of kind of background in yourself, Matt, to find out, give, give everyone a little bit of perspective in yourself. Because I found you, I mentioned before we jumped on, we started recording, I found you on LinkedIn. Because I'm quite heavily involved in LinkedIn. I like the the way the platform runs. Not so much anymore because it's about dog shit since Microsoft took over. But we're not going to get into that just yet. But... um. I've always been an advocate of LinkedIn because it's a, it's a great platform to really grow uh, an audience and grow your your personal brand and stuff like that on. And it literally, just came, I just came across one of your uh, uh, posts and it was obviously uh, regarding like a mental health. And I, that's what I went into it a little bit. I, I dig it on yourself. And as I said, I, I stalked the living shit out of you. And he's like, ah, fucking hell, what's this guy looking at my profile for? So I had to send you a message. But I want to get into depth with you because I think your stories uh, that you've kind of, well, quite bravely and opened uh, and you're quite open about is uh, fascinating so I mean you to start us off I mean give us a little bit of background in yourself man yeah so I'm you can tell from the accident I'm from just outside Dublin in Ireland uh, 40 years of age married three kids uh, and like you up until kind of last year or so I was um, 15 16 years or so in, in the sales world in the corporate world um, I'm a, I'm actually a chef by trade, um, but that that's a different kettle of fish. That's not a family man's life. It's not a dad's life, you know. So I gave that up, and I was I was working in sales then for a long time, and then I guess looked like most men. I'd always had an element of of you know letting stress and anxiety and stuff get to me, but like most men, never talking about it, never doing nothing about it. Um, and then I think it really kind of hit me during lockdown, um. And I'm not sure what, what I, I know from a, a, a whole UK perspective, um, lockdowns up and down here in Ireland, we had some pretty severe ones at, at times uh, where we couldn't go any more than you know, one or two kilometers from the house at some point. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, um, So I found myself, I just kind of threw myself into work at that time. And you know, my wife was working from home. I'm working from home. The kids are skilling from home it was shit time for everybody <laughs> you know what I mean so you hate each other after a while you're just like fuck's sake not these people are getting <laughs> every fucking day it's the same yeah so I guess my anxiety started getting worse and worse and worse during lockdown because before then obviously I had to break away from the house and, you know, I had a good routine do you know what I mean yeah. I got into the office kids from school getting in in the evening time you know the, the routine was was fairly Solid, like, but then obviously when, when lockdown happened and you're confined to one room for 15, 16 hours a day, mm. um, and then you've all the stuff on the news and all of the conspiracy theories and all the information just overload the stuff at you. So it, it kind of came to a head around the, around the January time. Um, my anxiety was getting to the point where I was, I was very angry and agitated and, and, um, snapping and, being short with the wife and the kids and just mm. causing it and fucking arguing all the time. Um, I don't know, it got to a point at one point where I, I basically broke down in, in floods of tears in the kitchen in the house. Um, and my son, who was 16, 17 at the time, literally had to pick me up off the floor. Wow. Because um, I just, I couldn't, 
I was like, I, and I'm screaming, like, I don't know what's wrong with me, and floods of tears. So, I had a chat with my wife, and he's like, look, I, I need to do something, do you know what I mean? And I'd been through counselling over the years, bereavement counselling, and yeah. different types of stuff, you know? Um, and a couple of times, they'd mentioned, like, antidepressants and medication stuff, and I, I thought, no, I'm not going down that road. Um, but this time, it, it felt worse than it ever was, do you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. So I thought, right, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go and have a chat with the doctor and see what he says. So, made an appointment, went to see the doctor a couple of weeks later, um, and then within 15 minutes of seeing him, I was walking out of his office with a prescription for uh, SSRIs, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, for anyone who doesn't know SSRIs, so basically they're they're an antidepressant, right, and they're there to treat um, anxiety or depression or both, right, so... Um, so I started off on a fairly low dosage um, and what was interesting actually was that the, the day I picked up the prescription um, was the days I got the keys to the new house the house that I'm, I'm sitting in now we just bought a house oh, right, okay. um, right so I'd taken two weeks off work anyway um, so I literally had a van rented drive into the town I go to the doctor get a prescription, pick it up from the pharmacist, walk across the road, get the keys to the new house, and then I'm up in the new house, get ready. So the first two weeks, I'm flying high anyway. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you're already buzzing because you just got a new house and now you're not Absolutely. really thinking too much, exactly. Yeah, I've got my Bob the Builder head on, I'm ripping the house <laughs> out and I'm dealing it up and painting, decorating, and all that kind of shit. Um, so I was kind of flying out and then, you know, a plateau then and you're, 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 you're settling, you're in, and I, I didn't really see any difference in me. With, with being on the meds. Uh, so the doctor had said to me, look, give us a shout back in a month. Let's see how you get on. So I rang him back. He's like, how are you? I said, no, I, I don't see him. Right, okay. So he's like, right, well, let's up the dosage because we need to try and gauge it and, and control the dosage and stuff. So he, he increased it. That was in March. He increased it in April. He increased it in May. He increased it in June. He increased it in July. Reset knobs. So by August time, yeah, yeah, so I started off on 37 and a half, I think it was, milligrams of the yeah. antidepressant. Um, by the August time, six times that, I was on 265 milligrams a day. Jesus. I was like a fucking zombie. Is the I was going to say, is that the only way they can really do it? The doctors prescribe it is just like guess. So you take them, you feel better, great, if you don't come back, it will up it. And there's no re- really kind of guidance. To do it, look, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, but to a degree, yeah, it's like let's see how you start to see it on them. And, and out. I think in my case, it they just made me worse. Look, and the thing is, like, I know lads who and friends of mine and stuff, lads like I've, I've been lucky enough to meet over the years who are on antidepressants who swear by them and they're on yeah. small dosages, you know. Um, horses for courses is the way I'm not gonna, they suit some people, they don't suit others, and for me. I had a horrible experience on, you know, and uh, I never tell anyone not to do it. It's your own choice whether you go to the doctor and go on the tablets or not. Um, I would always advocate that you go and speak to somebody first. And if, if then you and your therapist or your psychotherapist or your counselor, if you both come to an agreement that maybe they might help, then cool, then go and see your doctor. Um, but again, look, that's, that's each individual has to do it. That's only my personal opinion on it. Um, if if I could do it differently, I'd have gone and seen a counsellor first. I wouldn't have gone to the the doctor. Um, but but again, look, that's only my experience on it. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 not. Um, so 
during that time anyway, it was it was just horrible. Like I was an asshole. <laughs> it's just not you right. You know, yeah, we're roping um <clears throat> I was getting to the point where it was okay, it's Friday night. I can have a drink. Mm. But I go to oblivion with it. Yeah. You go know. overboard and just drink yourself in a stupor sort of thing, yeah. Gone, yeah. Like we me my wife and I and we still do. Um of a Friday of a Friday night we'd say, right, it's catch up time. Do you know what I mean? Late night, innit? Yeah, we've 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 both been out out working all week, you know, busy with the kids, busy with this, busy with that. Um, we wouldn't normally watch much TV during the week. Um, so we'd like sit down on a Friday evening, have a glass of wine, um, and 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 catch up on some shite on the telly and catch up with each other and stuff. Yeah, that's it's a good way to do it. It's a good way to bond and relax and kind of do that. A lot of people, I always I always do the same with my ex misses. We do as well mentioned earlier, date night and stuff. You just do the yeah, same yeah. and just catch up and just chill out. Just good after yeah. a while, you know. Spend some time together and just unwind. It's good. It's good for the. It's good for each other. It's good for a relationship, but it's good for your head yeah. as well, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So it was just it was getting to the point like that. Over Friday night, I was just hammering the drink into me to like buckle drug, wow. uh, passing out drug. Um, and I'd be fine then, you know, Saturday I'd wake up and because I'm hungover and ridiculously hungover and probably still drunk, I'm an asshole to follow on. And, and this was a bit of a cycle. Mm. Race through. And, and obviously, on that amount of meds, you should be drinking in the first I was going to say, I mean, the, the, is, is that with the saying, never, don't drink on them? Is that a, a, a bit of a no-no? It's like you shouldn't drink on antibiotics, but you do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Give it a fucking go. Yeah. I mean, look, I I don't think you're meant to drink to the excess that I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and even when I said it, I wasn't drinking every day of the week. It would be it'd get to Friday, and I'd go. Or if if we weren't having a drink, it'd be whatever day we were having a beer. I'd have to go too far with. It. Do you know? Go crazy. Yeah. If like if if we'd say if it was a Saturday afternoon and the Six Nations was on or the football was on or something. Yeah, any excuse. Like have, have a couple of cans, and then it's like six o'clock. It's over. Like, well, I'm not. I'm not finished drinking yet. Let's let's, yeah. let's keep, keep going. going. Do you know what I mean? Um. So, so then it got to to a point then where, I, I think this is the, the post you probably saw then. Um. I thought this is this is ridiculous. Like I'm I'm done. I'm finished with this. I can't yeah. can't cope. Done. Um. So I had made the the decision to 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 take my life basically. What what was the main sort of like kind of catalyst of it? What was the trigger? It was a culmination of of a lot. I couldn't think straight. I yeah. I couldn't remember anything. I was failing in work. I was failing at home. I was failing as a dad, as a husband, as everything. And you know the the the, the what happened? What kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but. So my doctor diagnosed me with depression. That's what he said I had. Yeah. When I went and saw the therapist and after hours and hours and weeks with, with her, it's actually, I suffer from severe anxiety. Um, okay. Hence the name, the anxious lad. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it was, it was only kind of through, through that, that I realized um, what was happening during those sort of, eight nine months um well, it, my anxiety was getting that bad i was having what they called depressive episodes so i didn't feel the depression but i was suffering from depressive episodes and they were getting really bad at certain points 
What would you say? So what, what's a depressive episode? What, what, what would the, what's the difference between having depression and a, a depressive episode? So I could I could feel depressed for like a couple of days and then I could I could snap out of it. Do you know? All right, I, I never knew that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, or it could be. I would display a lot of the symptoms of depression. Yeah, where like I don't want to get out of bed for a couple of days, or I, you know, you you don't shower for a few days, or you just want to close the curtains, pull the duvet over your head, and just fucking stay there. Yeah, you become a little bit reclusive. You go into yourself. You don't talk about anything. You're agitated, aggressive, on edge, constantly. So I was displaying a lot of depressive symptoms, and um, but it was because the I I was not learning to live with the anxiety and how to cope with the triggers, basically. Right. So just could I was like kind of morph it into that because obviously anxiety was making you feel that you didn't know what to do. Yeah. And obviously the depression was kicking in because of well, I expected really to be fair, you know. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So um so yeah, so so for me I'm I'm what was really I guess the the and again I I don't think just like to answer the question, I don't think there was one catalyst that brought it to that point. I think it was a culmination of a lot of different as we got together or not, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on at the same time, and I thought the best way out of this is just to fucking finish it. Um, so what happened there was I was, so I was working for a big tech company at the time, um, and I had like a a a death in service package that I paid into every month. Yeah. Uh, so my wife and kids would have got a fairly substantial payout if if I died whilst working for the company. Right, um, that doesn't pay out necessarily if it's suicide, right? Right. So, this is how far down the rabbit hole then you go when you're thinking it is so. Um, so I had to try and come up with a way then of where how do I make that look like I just died? Do you know what I mean? Um, oh shit! Sure. So that's where the photograph and the post that you referred to earlier, so that the for anyone listening who hasn't seen it, the post I put up on LinkedIn was a photograph of of what we call the N11. It's a road close to the house, um, sort of between, we kind of joins County Dublin and County Wicklow together right the way down. Um, and it's not far from where I live and there's a there's a road barrier and the speed limit on that road coming up to it is 120 kilometers. So it's at 70, 70, 70 yeah. an hour. Yeah, 70 hours. So I can go fairly fast on that road anyway without raising alarm bells. Um, so the idea was to, to drive at max speed as fast as I could, break the limit and go as fast as I could into that road barrier. Um, I, I don't know about it in, in the UK, but in Ireland, a even a single person car crash fatality has to be ruled as a, a road traffic accident. It can't be classified as a suicide because okay. So I could have been I could have been looking at my phone. A cat could have run across the road, or a bird could have stepped. Yeah. Anything. Sudden my eyes. Yeah. Turned and 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 all of a sudden, boom! God, you know, it's a it's a it's a tragic road traffic accident. And then I wouldn't have been your man who killed himself. I wouldn't have been the lad who took his own life for blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, the family would be looked after. All that sort of stuff is yeah, great. So, away. so all those boxes were ticked. Like, yeah, this is this is this is deadly. And then I I did that journey twice, and in floods of tears and just couldn't conduct it with the stereo, you know. And then I remember coming home in floods of tears again and, and had another argument with, with her and I just I walked out of the house for hours. I was gone. Um and I just I went for a walk out. I, I live very close to, to the beach, to the seafold. 
Yeah, I, I was I was down there for a couple of hours just sitting. Um, and I, I you, you need to fucking sort your shit out, mate. You really need to sort the shit out. Um, so that was when that was the turning point then for for me, I guess, in 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 my recovery then. Um, I started to see a psychotherapist then, sort of late September time. And, yeah. And, and that was the beginning of, of the recovery then for, for me, which is the, the best thing I, the best thing I ever did, you know? Yeah, of course. You mentioned, obviously, you went down that road twice. I, was, I don't want to dwell on this too much. This makes it a harsh bit. But you mentioned you went, you went down there twice. Uh, you didn't do it twice. What, what went through your mind to stop you? Because you said you had everything planned out. You had it all sorted. What was, what was, what stopped you? I think it was now, like, obviously, like, you, I don't know, it's different for everybody, I think. Do you know, like, for me, I think mm-hmm. it was, I don't want to leave my wife and kids. Like, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the main one. Do you know what I mean? Um, makes sense. Knowing that I'd leave, like, as, as much as I wanted it to end and the pain to stop and everything else, I, I, I don't think I could have, could have, in the back of my mind, I don't think I could have put down through it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Um, and when I came back, I remember like the, the like when I said I did that journey twice, and I literally did it in a loop. Oh, okay, so it was like did it did a U turn almost. Now it's it's it, it's not like you should just turn the car around and back. It's a long U <laughs> turn. Oh, wow. So yeah, I made a drive back right the way back around, fifteen minute drive to to come back in and come back onto that road sort of thing, but. And then the second time round, it was like as I'm as I'm doing it, I'm like, "What the fuck are you playing at, mate?" Yeah, you know what I mean. That that hit me. Um, I don't know. Then I, I passed that point. I was like, "Get out of the car now! Get out of the car!" And I just I drove the car home, parked it, came in, um, and yeah, that's kind of it. I think yeah, the wife and kids is what made what what stopped me from from doing. To be honest, they always say that. That you have to get to that point, you know. It's like, what does it say? They always say you have to get to rock bottom before you can work your way back up. And it's just a human kind of psychological nature of thing. It's like you can, you have to get, you have to have that sort of like kind of feeling or that sort of like kind of want before you can build up, sort of thing. And I think, um, but that's probably, I would, I would assume that's when you can have uh, the realization that's you know, it's I've hit that, I've nearly went it, and uh. That's time to build myself back up again, sort of thing. Yeah, and and that's that for me. That's definitely that was definitely the case. So, I I started doing the the counselling then or the psychotherapy with this 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 counsellor, uh, and, and she was incredible. She was amazing. Yeah. Was that was that private? You went through, or did you go through yeah. like an uh, yeah private? No, it was it was private. Yeah, it was private. Um, and that was every Monday once a week for six seven months. Right, uh, I think from the end of. September up until I would have been well. What is it? For yeah, about, about five six months anyway. Okay, um, every every week, um, and like it was getting to the point like I'd have to come home after that and go to bed for an hour. It was like my shatter. It's just mentally exhausted. Like, oh yeah. God, Jen, it is. I mean, I've obviously I did a lot of bad counselling. I'm not for the, for the extremes of yourself. It's because I do believe going to therapy and going to counselling, even if it's just. Even just for anyone, I think is beneficial to be quite honest with you, because you don't understand some things that goes through your head that you can really kind of open up a little bit more. And I went through a couple of sessions, and I I was knackered after. I didn't want to speak to anyone. I was, I was like, phone was going off, like no, switch that bad boy up. I am going to exactly go to bed. 
I'll see everyone in the morning because I'm fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Like, it was literally like I'd, I'd come home and at one o'clock in the afternoon and I'm I'm climbing into bed, you know, um, for, for a couple of hours because I'm just drained and exhausted from it. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, as you say, you're going to hit that rock bottom and have to rebuild yourself back up. So I threw myself into everything then at that point. Once I kind of came out, I think it was after Christmas time, I kind of just threw myself into the counselling and stuff up until Christmas. And then um, I, uh, it was afterwards then I was listening to, you know, anxiety podcasts and depression podcasts and mental health podcasts. I was, I was doing um, guided meditation going to bed I was still uh, I can't do meditation I, I told you if you, yeah. I, I, fall, I fall asleep every time I do meditation I fall asleep I don't realize I don't realize everyone says you, you tried meditation before and I'm like yeah I keep falling asleep I have a great sleep though yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And wake, up, like, wake up like two hours later the bud's still going off now keep breathing I'm like what the fuck is going on here yeah, you know, it's not there <laughs> yeah she's like oh yeah you're right but what the fuck <laughs> what am I? But um, but yeah, that was as I said, like as as you say, look, you, you build yourself back up. But I I I kind of threw myself into, as I said, like everything at that point, you know. And and it was one night lying in bed, and I was listening to a podcast, and I'm like, I'm boring the hell out of me now, you know. So I scrolling through Spotify, and I was going through YouTube, and I was going through everything else, and little light bulb went off in my head and I thought I've had to hit absolute rock bottom for me in order for me to seek help yeah and when I started again going down those rabbit holes that's generally what men do is is we won't ask for help until we've hit rock bottom and sometimes it's too late you know too late yeah um, and then what else what I, the other thing that that I didn't or I couldn't find or I didn't come across it. I'm not saying that it's not out there, but I certainly didn't come across it at the time, was honest-to-God conversations between two blokes about mental health. I didn't find them. It was always... Now, there's some great podcasts out there on mental health, don't get me wrong, but it's generally somebody else just talking into a mic about what they've read or stuff that they've come across or, you know, tips for anxiety, tips for depression, don't do this, do this, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and I thought... You know what? That might be an idea for a, for a podcast. So hence the anxious lad was was born. Born. Yeah. Um, and I I tried to develop the idea for a little bit over a few months, and then I dropped the first episode. The first two episodes actually are just me for for twenty minutes. And I know that sounds a bit contradictory to <laughs> what I just said, <laughs> but they're more I guess an intro into me, right? So it's oh, yeah. a, a little bit about yeah, a little bit about my story. Uh, and I still held back in both of those. I, I don't talk about my my uh, suicide stuff. I, I more talk about the anxiety, the depression, and the tablets mm. um, in those two episodes. I don't actually talk about the suicide in either of those. Um, and I think it was because I wasn't ready myself to talk about that out loud. Do you know what I mean? When I, yeah. When I started it. And then then it kicks off into a series of episodes then, or a series of interviews with, with different guys um, and their battles with mental health and their struggles with mental health um, and yeah that's kind of pretty much it like that's kind of where it all kicked off so it was going on to joining different mental health groups on Facebook different dads groups um, all that kind of stuff 
reaching out to lads and look, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm interested in. And yeah. this is my story. This is what happened to me. I'll do the podcast and we'll have a chat. And, and similar to you, I'd come across a story and I'd be like, oh, I need to talk to you. You yeah, that's this. And it's, let's have a chat, you and me. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's good. The stories are. It's that. It is. I was sorry to jump in there, uh, Matt. Because the thing is, you, yeah, I can't agree with you more when you sit there and you, you go through because I'm a mad, massive advocate of men's mental health as well you know and you look through and you're going through all this social media stuff and it's just it is exactly the sort of same it's all these women giving it I'm not blaming I shouldn't say the women but in society I should say as a whole mm-hmm. and basically man up and they don't talk you know what I mean and there was one thing I don't know if you've seen the video it's a viral video that went crazy on like a TikTok and uh, uh, and like, social media and there was a girl who looked into camera and it said to all the men out there tell me who do you talk to when things are not when you feel sad and all these men stitched it and they just went no one no one gives a fuck and every about 10 12 people just went no nah, no one cares about us who would i talk to and i tell you what i that was like wow it was it was such a a powerful video and it went so viral it was millions and millions of years ago and yet still things aren't being fucking done about it. Which is, yeah. it, it just winds me up sometimes. I'm just like, for fuck's sake, why can someone just not take a, a step back and go, right, let's can sort this out. Why do we need to sort it out ourselves? Um, which is hard enough as it is for guys. We have to kind of yeah. step up and do it ourselves, you know? And it's just like, yeah. come on, no help, no help. We've got all these help, all these charities and all the women's mental health and all that sort of stuff, but nothing for guys. Yeah. That's it, and and it is. It's it, you know, what you said, it's those old societal expectations of men that we have to be this, you know, hard, stoic, alpha male who goes out and works and looks after the family and does never anything wrong. You know, we we can't show emotion, we can't show feeling, we can't show this, and 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 you know, there are certain aspects of social media where, you know. Women are saying they only want men who are strong and dominant and and, and this that and the other. Um, and then you've got the and not all women, by the way. I'm just saying there are parts of social media. There are dark corners of it, if you say that, and and that puts a different perception out to men. Um, you've also got, you know, from from a young age, we're told, don't cry, man up, don't talk about it, don't do this, don't do that, don't big boys, don't cry, all of that toxic bullshit that we're brought up learning to believe, and then. When it gets to a point then where we're in relationships or when we're dads, when we're husbands, when we're partners in long-term relationships or wherever, uh, and, and somebody says to you, what's wrong? And you go, nothing. Like, let me put it this way, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you're, you're, you, you're a, a partner, right? Uh, well, I used to be single now, unfortunately. So uh, Right, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't want to get into it, Matt. Come on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll have a counselling session after this. No, we'll do that after. Yeah. Um, but okay, so look at the look at the women in your life, right? Yeah, it was exes, moms, sisters, whatever, right? Go for it. And and you know something's wrong, and you'll say to them, "What's wrong with you?" And they go, "Nothing, I'm fine." <laughs> and what's your what's your what's your initial reaction to that? Uh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong, yeah. big time. You're, you're just like, oh, "What have I done?" What have I done? Exactly. You know what I mean? You're, you're like, thinking back. You go. You're going back years, man. You're going back years to make now. <laughs> have I done over the past five years? She didn't break up like six months ago. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But flip that back around then on the men, right? And and what happens is in, in the majority of cases is that she'll come into you and say, Ryan, what's wrong with you? And you go, Nothing, I'm fine. 
right? And you know, you know you're not fine, but you don't want to talk about it, right? So she'll push that button and go, I notice something, what's wrong? And you're starting to get a bit agitated now. Nothing, I'm fine. Now, if you ask her that question two or three times, you'll probably get the answer you're looking for. Well, you'll you get the answer. I mean, that's what you're looking for, but you'll get it. <laughs> right. But the more they push you, the angrier you get, right? Because you don't want to have this conversation because you've been told for years in the back of your mind, been telling you, don't talk, nothing's wrong, I'm fine, boys don't cry, boys don't show emotion, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Sir. To the point where you'll get angry and agitated and start screaming and shouting. Up and then the, and then build the the argument in series. Then do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's because we've never been learned to to talk about it. We've never been told that we can. We've never been told that we should. We've always been told to keep your mouth shut. And it's like, you know, again, coaches, teachers, parents. When you when, when you're a kid and you come in and you're upset, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, you're crying up. Give you something to cry about. Like it's completely validate. Yeah. Well, it's completely invalidating those feelings and it's reinforcing the fact every single time that I shouldn't talk because there's no point no one's going to listen. I tried to when I was a kid. My dad said, you want something to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. So I'm not going to do it. Mum said this. Mum said that. Teacher said this. Coach said that. So it's been reinforced over and over and over from a very young age that we shouldn't talk. Yeah. Which now has culminated now in the fact that 75% of global suicides are men. Right? So... um, Shocker. Between the yeah, between the UK and Ireland, 14, 15 men will die every single day from suicide. And that's just that's just the UK and Ireland, right? So uh, I'm forty years of age. I think you're of a similar age. I'm actually I'm actually forty next month, actually. I think I don't know. We're in the, I know twenty five. I'll look twenty five. I don't know. I'll get that out. And I just say I'll be Yeah. So, so you and I are in the same bracket now, yeah. where we are more likely to die by our own hands than anything else, and that's a scary statistic. That's a fucking right. shockingly scary statistic. That yeah. So, so you and I are more likely to kill ourselves, or that's a, a die by suicide than we are cancer, heart attack, illness, anything like that. It's the, it's the biggest killer men of of our age. Do you, do you uh, think? The, do you think that obviously the government and all that have been aware they've been given all this sort of stuff and obviously the world and society as a whole knows about it why Why do you think nothing's been done about it so far this is this isn't I mean you, you mentioned a, a shocking statistic there this is yeah. these have been battered round uh, a lot so it's not something that it's shied upon it's not something that no one knows about it's oh I didn't know this it's been really highlighted quite a lot over especially since COVID more so mm-hmm. since COVID because of the rates of suicide and everyone really, but mostly men have skyrocketed. Why do you think that no one's actually doing anything about this? Well, I, 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 I don't think it's very necessary to say that nobody's doing or not, you know, nothing's been done about it or nobody's not doing anything about it, whatever. Um, there, there are a lot of amazing charities and, and not-for-profits and stuff out there. You know, you look at Samaritans, all across uh, the, the UK and Ireland, you know, the ones we have over here, Suicide to Survive, we have Pieta House, we've got um, Aware, all of those kind of places. And I, I think the the problem is, right, for, from my perspective, is that there is a lot being done, don't get me wrong, right? Um, there's a lot of these charities and stuff that are not for profits, they're, they're not government funded, which is a huge issue as far as I'm concerned. I think a lot of it's counseling services and stuff like that are are, are, are highly 
uh, reliant on donations of the, the public and stuff like that. And, and look, they're, they're never always going to have enough money to, to help everybody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they're doing the best job they can with the resources that they have, you know? Um, I think the, the real problem comes back to the, the societal expectations of it. And, and, and that's kind of my goal with, with setting up the podcast with the company that I, I run now, uh, the job that I do now, it's, it's trying to change that perception of, of men and mental and normalize the conversation about men's mental health. You know, like I, I say on nearly every one of my, my podcasts, like my, my wife will say it all the time, one of the best counseling sessions she can have, um, or therapy sessions she can have is a couple of her mates and a glass of wine. Yeah. Because they'll talk, right? Women will talk about what's going on. Uh, and their friends will listen and they'll they'll shut up and they'll listen and they'll they'll give advice when needed and they'll tell them about themselves when needed or look, you know, you're being a bitch and you know, I'll easily ask whatever. <laughs> they'll have that conversation, right? Yeah. But we don't because we don't know how to. We've never been brought up and I'm strictly speaking from from you know our generation's perspective on this. Yeah. And, generations before us the younger lads coming up are getting a little bit better at it to be fair um but certainly from 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 our generation we've never been able to have that conversation and what's interesting actually if you flip the coin on that because we've never actually and i, I brought this up on a podcast before as well because we've never or we have grown up having these conversations we, we then we don't know how to listen when somebody is actually trying to talk to us or oh yeah or we don't know how to handle it. So we might crack a joke or we might get embarrassed and we might try and deflect it slightly. Yeah. Uncomfortable, isn't it? It's uncomfortable with everything yeah. we do. We take the piss or we kind of try to deflect yeah. it exactly right, yeah. yeah. And then in doing that, again, you've just reinforced what he's been thinking his whole life. Is, oh, well, I shouldn't have opened him out in the first place. Boom, and in your back to square one. Jesus, yeah, I didn't think of much. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a good point, yeah. So, like, I had <laughs> a guy before talking to me, a client of mine say to me, that years ago, he tried to talk to his boss, and his boss was in his 60s at the time. He's like, look, I'm really struggling with stress and anxiety. My mental health is getting on top of me, and this, that, and the other. And like, this, bless him, like, this old catcher hadn't a clue how to take it. Right. So he did what most of us do, is he tried to joke about it and, and lighten the mood a little bit. He's like, yeah, I'm struggling with my mental health at the moment. And your man says, and you're not going to bring a gun into the office, are you? <laughs> now, he was joking. But, uh, yeah, you're just like, oh, thanks for that, mate. Yeah, this is serious. But he's like, okay, yeah, no, no, I'm actually, no, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm grand. Cheers. And then after that, it's the last time we spoke about it. It took him years to come out and talk to somebody else again. So I think that's where we need to change. It's it's the societal perception of it that has to change. It's, mm-hmm. it's and, and like I say, like the, the reason I, I chose to do the, the, the podcast initially is, is, to get men talking about their mental health because yeah. the more men I can get to talk about their mental health then hopefully the more men will talk about mental health it's, it's huh. hopefully have to an effect outwards right um, and what's been really interesting about it is that I've had a guy on who was um, sexually abused and physically and mentally abused by his stepdad I did young lad on who was abused by his step grandfather I had a guy on who just work got on top of him. He was traveling for work all the time up and down the, the the length and breadth of the UK. He was two and three and four weeks away from his wife and kids at the time. Started drinking too much, fell, fell into depression. I had a guy who 
was contemplating taking his own life because he 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 suffers with depression since his dad died. Um, another guy had a back injury, chronic back pain, and the pain of it, and he's only like in his twenties. Um, should have been living the high life in in university. Instead, he was spending three and four days in bed because he couldn't move because of his back problems. Yeah. Um, so what was really interesting was that like your mental health can come at you from any angle. Mm. Right, it, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a trauma from the past. Do you know what I mean? Or like a yeah huge thing. It could be something as as natural as a parent dying, or as as this other guy had a a, a he. I can't remember what it was. It was an injury he he sustained in playing sports, but but ended up then it was almost like it. It was just a chronic back pain. Um. He couldn't do football anymore. He couldn't play sports. He so his life was turned on its end. Completely different, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 for him, that's what that's what started bringing him down. And what that was an interesting finding itself is that it it, it could stem from anything, and it could happen to anyone at any time for any reason, right? It does. Um, what the kicker to it then was after having the conversation with all of these lads. Um, and these are all stories that are on the that are on the podcast. Yeah. Um, is that we all kind of suffered it in the same way. We went reclusive. We stopped talking to everybody. Uh, we got angry, agitated, aggressive. Started hitting the bottle that bit more. Um, drinking, all of that kind of stuff. So it like that. We all like most men get to a point, and then. We start to go down the same road. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of the drinking and the alcohol and the, and the drugs or whatever. It's a similar, similar sort of like kind of scenario yeah. for everyone. Really, it's just how you get there is a bit different, but you you join the road at some point. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it was it was interesting. So so as I said, that's kind of where it, the podcast came from, and then like like that. As I said, I was in the in the corporate world then for a while. Um, for for a good number of years and earning a decent salary, having a really good career. But I think after every, after doing the podcasts for a while, and then going through what I went through, going through the council and all that kind of stuff, it was like I can't do this shit anymore. So I I retrained then as a, a men's mental health life coach. I right, cool. Um, I went back and studied neurolinguistic programming and CBT and hypnosis and, and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I, I now work with guys who suffer with high-level anxiety and, and stress um, and, and try and add everything that I do on social media, whether it's... And I've, I've, I've kind of stepped back up from it the last couple of months. I haven't done any TikToks or much yeah. in, the, in, in the last while. Um, but the whole point of it is to try and get that to start talking a lot sooner. Than, than when I started talking, basically. Um, when you feel that life is, is getting in the way, as it will get in the way of everybody, you know, life will, will get to you at some point here. When you when you start to feel that little bit down or, or you notice yourself drinking that little bit more or more regularly, shall we say, um, stress is getting to you, anxiety is getting to you, just find somebody and talk to them, you know. Get out of there. Um, and, and I think that's... Probably a long-winded answer to the question. <laughs> oh no, nice, but great, great answer. That's, I, I think that's where it has to happen. You know, look, look, 
government funding and governments and, and, and the people that put out all the reports and all that kind of shit, it's always going to be there and it's, it's always going to be underfunded. It's never going to, they're never going to get it right, you know? Mm. Um, it, 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 it's always the same. You see it in the UK, you see it here, the NHS and the HSC and, and different voluntary bodies, you know, in, in Ireland and stuff, the, the mental health funding is, is generally the first to go. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't think as a society, as a collective of people, I, I don't think that's what we need to throw our anger at because those dickheads in the government are never going to do that before. I think we have to do it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think men, we have to do it ourselves. We have to stand up and say, do you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm a man. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, and I can cry. I can get upset. I can get depressed. I can get anxious. It's part of who I am. Yeah. Um, I think we just have to be a lot more socially aware that blokes will go through mental health problems you know um so i mean the thing is i mean just it's just uh, the the one thing i was just gonna just jump in a little bit there is the one thing as well when you're obviously talking um about it and uh, in, obviously talking with guys it's understandable and all that sort of stuff but when you're talking about treating the mental health thing i mean i, I, I mean i think the main issue is that i don't think people know how to treat men's mental health properly and effectively because the reason why I say that is that when guys get um, treated with mental health they, they get treated like, like like women sort of thing you know when you treat like you treat women's mental health they want to be like kind of smothered they want to be cuddled they want to be held they want to, also they want attention all the same but with guys they don't they don't want all that sort of stuff they want something a bit more sort of like kind of standoffish they want to be they want to be wanted but not too much of that. You know, they want, they want stuff to do. They want to feel wanted in their sort of life sort of thing for them to feel more comfortable for them to open up. I don't know what your, what your thoughts on that. Um, again, yeah, look, it's like I, I always bring it back to that, that thing. It's it's horses for courses. It's different for everyone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think from, and look, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counsellor or psychotherapist or, or, or anything like that. I've had guys come to me who have displayed symptoms of clinical depression or severe depression or severe anxiety or even suicidal tendencies and suicidal ideation, that kind of stuff. And, and I've had to say, look, I'm not the guy to help you because you've you've got some deep rooted issues that you're not ready to come with me on a journey yet. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So most of the guys that I would work with have come out of therapy and now it's like I can kind of help them level up now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Get, get, yeah, I understand that. And putting goals in place and, and, and taking action on different areas of their lives, right? Yeah. Um, and I do a thing with them um, that I learned through studying that I was doing a work with my coach and stuff where you call it your shadow, right? So there's, there's some part of you that, and it may be something from years ago as a kid, it may be something from, you know, like for, for me it was... Um, procrastination and a fear of losing people around me and a fear of getting it wrong and stuff so if yeah. something would happen I'd, I'd snap and I'd react and I'd, you know what I mean um, I think I can only speak on behalf of <clears throat> my therapy and my counsellor um, and I had two so um, the, the first one was a woman who she was she was brilliant um, and she'd call bullshit on my bullshit <laughs> you know what I mean oh really yeah, and I and, and I I I was able to react to that in a in a right. positive way. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, if I was holding back, 
in in a session or something like that, she'd be like, "Nah, you're full of shit now, Matt. Tell me what's what's going on." And she uh-huh. she'd call you on it. She'd pull you on it, you know. Um, and I think everyone's different. How you how you respond to therapy is is different. But I also think that the therapist is it has a massive part to play. If you don't have a connection with the therapist, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Um, if if you go into a room with somebody and after the second or third time, if 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 you don't have that vibe with that person, it's it's not going to work. The trust you respect. Yeah, the yeah, trust yeah, is there. You have to trust someone to open up your whole bloody soul to them. You know what I mean? You have yeah, to have that sure. exactly. But, but you also have to trust them enough for for them to kind of go, "Hang on a minute, now you're being full of shit. Tell me the real reason why you're here." Do you know what I mean? They have to be able to speak almost. And, and, and I think from the, I, kind of going back to what you said, there's a there's a there's a directness that blogs tend to respond to. Do you know what I mean? Um, and. After I, I finished up with her, I obviously had to rebuild relationships in the house with my wife, with my kids, and stuff like that as well. Um, so I went and saw a guy who specialised in in sort of family, not that we did family therapy, but I spoke to a guy who specialised in that, and I did a few sessions on my own with him. And, and, and like that, you know, I think after about ten minutes, he's like, "You're you're 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 full of shit. You've just come out of counselling. You're saying A, B, and C. Why?" Yeah, I'm like you can't say I'm full of shit. You're just fucking telling you you're full of shit, man. What's going on? I was like, oh, oh, oh okay, hang on, I can. Yeah, all right, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I like you. I like you. And and you you'll get on with them straight away. So I think a lot of it comes down to the the, the therapists and the methods that they use themselves. You know, and uh, yeah. I think there's there's this kind of huge misconception about therapy that it's oh I'm not going to just talk about my feelings and open up and start crying it's 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 a lot bigger than that i mean i think i spoke about my feelings in the first 30 seconds of being in the room yeah. with the therapist dennis is like right what has a week been like and then what they're doing then is trying to pick away your behaviors your attitudes why you react in certain ways why you behaved in certain ways all of that kind of stuff it's a lot more just going oh if you decide today do you know what i mean it's it's bigger than that that's no i understand that your your reacting to situations and your behaviors are are coming from things that maybe happened to you in the past or the way in which you perceive the world or the way in which you know you you perceive the people around you um and, and that's what the therapy is there to kind of help you maybe view it in a different way or see it from it from a different angle or whatever so um i think it again like it all kind of comes back to we have to start changing how we perceive men's mental health in in society Definitely, definitely. I, I completely understand that. And I completely agree with your therapist, uh, can I, uh, when you're describing it. And it's all about them making you understand it a little bit more as well. You know, they're trying to you know, change your way of thinking. And I think that is, once you can uh, get round to that, and it, it, it dawns on you a little bit. It's just like a penny drops, and you're just like, oh, shit. And it's just like, it could have been something. It could have been from the past. It could have been something. Like, you're like, oh, fucking hell, yeah, that makes sense now, didn't it? And you, 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 think, to you, and you think to yourself, Jesus Christ! Why the fuck did I not think of that? And it's just like, and it's just like fuck. And it's a, a oh, it's like a euphoria feeling sort of thing. Yeah. And now, yeah. and it's it's not going to solve the problem, but it's going to give you the ammunition for you to go and solve the problem. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Absolutely. No, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. And I agree. Yeah, there, there has been, you know, as I said, that for for a long time, there's there's been a misconception about counselling and therapists and. And, and different types of therapy and so for men or whatever but you know it's if if you've not given it a shot then give it a shot because 
clearly it's not working. Not doing it is not working for you at the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, go and go and speak to somebody, talk to anybody. You know, just just have a conversation and like get it, lads, your friends, your mates, or whatever. You know, if if any of them start to look like they're about to open up and something, and what we without going too far into it then again, but one thing that we we love to do as men is we try to fix everything. Don't we? Try and fix yeah. the air with this. So. Yeah, a lot of the times a bloke can come to your friend can come to you and so the women in your life my wife gets pissed off at me every time I deal with this and she, she's having a bad day it's like oh, I've had a day here and she'll, she'll start t- telling me about what's happening and I go in to fix it my way oh what you need to do you need to do this yeah. like, just fuck up and listen just listen so that's the biggest advice I can I can give you like to you know Dale Carnegie there was a book written years and years and years ago like years or 20s or 30s or something I think it was a guy called Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People and uh, he said that in order to be a great conversationist you have to be a great listener and I I put that to every bloke who, who listens to this now if any of your mates are in a position where they're ready to open up or they need to talk to you or they're whatever it is and they're they're about to start or you've sense that they're about to start what you perceive to be an uncomfortable conversation shut up and listen yeah He's, he doesn't want you to fix it he doesn't want you to be a therapist but he needs to get something off his chest and the worst thing you can do is try and fix it for him there and then because you could end up again like i've said loads of times on your show already he, you could end up reinforcing that stigma that he's had all the way through that he shouldn't talk in the first place so just shut up and listen the best thing you can do is listen the worst thing you can do is try and fix it for him yeah, just don't do that. Yeah, then you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just shut up and listen, lads. You know, I said it's the best thing. So, Simple. lads, I'll say, start talking. For the lads, I'll say, just shut up and listen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. so, Matt, so where, where can people find you if they want to have a, uh, get to know you a little bit more? Uh, so all the usual places. I'm, I'm, I don't do a lot on Instagram. I'll be honest. Um, I'm a bit old for now. I started putting photographs up, and then I just can't be bothered with it. I remember Instagram before it was Instagram. I remember Instagram when it was just a uh, a filter app on your phone. For fillers. For fillers, yeah. Remember that? Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden it became this social media platform and I could just, I was like, why are people f- p- posting photos like their dinner? And I'm like, not it. So I don't really use Instagram much. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm always on, on, I'm one of those old people. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I do a little bit on TikTok and I'm on LinkedIn. So Facebook, LinkedIn, or if you want to message me or not like that, you can. Um, theanxiouslad.ie is the website. Um, and then I'm on my podcast, The Anxious Lad, is on Spotify, Anchor, Google, iTunes, Amazon. It's it's yeah, it's it's wherever you mostly get your your podcasts. You'll find the uh, the episodes there as well. So beautiful. Well, we'll put all the 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 links to everything in the description so if anybody wants to find you guys if you uh, if you listen to this obviously click the links below give uh, give Matt some love and give him give him a follow as well and uh, if you're obviously struggling with everything that we've just talked about give him a give him a message I'm sure I'll uh, find time and he'll definitely be able to help you so um, on that note Matt thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for sharing your story with us I appreciate it buddy thank you very much best of luck Corey. take care guys bye bye James Bell <laughs>